Welcome and once again, thank you for joining us on today's segment of Making a Difference Through Mentorship, where we believe you make a difference through mentorship one life at a time. I want to thank all of you for uh, that have continued to support this ministry. I'm eternally grateful. Well, today's podcast is Recovering All. In the American Standard Version of 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, the Bible says, David strengthened himself in Jehovah his God. The King James Version says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. And the Christian Standard Bible Version of 1 Samuel 30 and 8 declares, And David asked the Lord, Should I pursue these raiders? Will I overtake them? The Lord replied to him, Pursue them, for you will certainly overtake them and rescue the people. The King James Version says, God answered David, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and shall without fail recover all. Our English definitions of the word recover means to get back, to regain, or when you recover from an illness or an injury, you become well again. The word recover in the original Hebrew means rebuild, repair, or restore in this passage. Encourage means to put or add courage in. As seen in 1 Samuel 30 and 6, David encouraged himself. He put courage in, added courage in. What was his source? The Lord his God. This word encourage in the original Hebrew can be translated as prevail, to be strengthened, and to conquer. After David encouraged himself, then in verse 8 of 1 Samuel chapter 30, David inquired of Jehovah, if I pursue after this troop, shall I overtake them? And God answered, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and shall without fail recover all. Now, after being strengthened in Jehovah his God, David was in a place in his mind of expectation. Expectation can be defined as believing that something is going to happen, a looking forward to Uh, looking forward to in anticipation of the future. When we as the people of God come to church, the question becomes, what are we expecting to happen? Expectation is what we simply call hope. Hope is a confident, favorable expectation. John Maxwell once stated, where there is no hope in the future, there is no power in the present. It is those who are able to find hope for the future that have the strength and power to succeed in the present. If there is no expectancy, in other words, we must have an expectation of a demonstration of the Spirit's power every day and in every way. My beloved bishop that's gone on to be with the Lord now used to say something good and something God is going to happen to me today. That was a part of his confession, something good and something God is going to happen to me today. See, that's an expectation, something good and something God is going to happen to me Today And if it can happen anywhere, it can happen here. If it can happen to anyone, it can happen to me. And if it can happen at any time, it can happen now. Something good and something God is going to happen to me today. That's an expectation. If we expect nothing, most likely we will receive nothing. This is biblical hope where we discover strength and power to succeed in the present. Some people say, I'll believe it when I see it. But when we have faith in God, I believe it. And that's why I see it. That's how we see it as believing believers. 
In the latter portion of Luke 17, 21, Jesus says, Behold, the kingdom of God is within you, which means the reality of Luke 10 and 19 abides in and operates through our lives where Jesus says, Behold, open up your eyes. I've given you power over serpents and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. In other words, because of the kingdom, God, the kingdom of God within us, we have more power and authority than the devil. As David encouraged himself in the Lord in 1 Samuel 30 and 6, as he inquired of the Lord and received his assignment to pursue and rescue the people in verse 8, I submit to you the kingdom power and authority fueled by hope and faith in God was injected into David's veins and his mind. So David says in the New Century Version of Psalm 62 verses 5 and 6, I find rest. Rest is another word for trust. I find rest. I find trust in God. Only he gives me hope. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my defender. I will not be defeated. What a confession. David said, because the, the Lord is God is his rock and his salvation. The word salvation also means to rescue or to escape. David says, God is my defender. I will not be defeated. When you take on the mindset, no matter what life circumstances come, I, come your way, I will not be defeated. This is recovering the mind of Christ where we think like God thinks. David further says in Psalm 34, verses 17 through 20, in the Good News translation, the righteous call to the Lord and he listens. He rescues them from all their troubles. Verse 18, the Lord is near, attentive and watchful because he's Elroy, the God who sees and watches over you and me. The Lord is near to those who are discouraged. This was David's dilemma in 1 Samuel chapter 30. But the Bible says the Lord is near to those that are discouraged and he saves those who have lost all hope. David encouraged himself in the Lord, put courage in when he was discouraged because there was hope that was lost. To lose all hope means that person has nothing good to look forward to. David was discouraged. His hope was dissipating, but he encouraged himself in the Lord. The Bible tells us in Daniel 7 and 25, and he shall speak great words. The devil shall speak great words against the most high and shall wear out the saints and think to change the times and the laws. The times and the laws are the plan that God has for his people. The laws is the fact that God's word is immutable, unchanging, undeniable, and the devil speaking great words against the most high. Wearing out the saints of the Most High will think to change the times, the plans, the purpose, and the laws, the immutable, unchanging, undeniable word of God, causing people to lose hope. When a person has lost hope, it is all a part of the devil's strategy to wear the saints out. The Living Bible version of Daniel 7.25 warns us that he, the devil, will defy the Most High God and wear down the saints with persecution and he will try to change all the laws, morals, and customs. Paul encourages us in the English Standard Version of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at the 7th verse. We have, we possess it. We have this treasure from God, which is the kingdom of God. We have this treasure from God, but we are like clay jars 
that hold the treasure. This means that this great power is from God and not from us. Verse 8, we have troubles all around us, but we are not defeated. Let me say that again. Paul says, the Bible says, God says, we have troubles all around us, but we are not defeated. We do not know what to do, but we do not give up on the hope of the living. Verse 9, we are persecuted, but God does not leave us. We are hurt sometimes, but we are not destroyed. When we encourage ourselves in the Lord, with all the trouble around us, we declare that we are not and we shall not be defeated because we have the hope of God, the power of God within us. And Paul reminds us that although there are times that we are hurt, we are not destroyed. In other words, when the devil does his worst, that's when God does his best. So David declares in Psalm 34 and 19 in the Good News Translation, Good people, God's people, suffer many troubles, but the Lord saves them from them all. The common English version of this passage declares, when God's people pray for help, he listens and rescues them from their troubles. Verse 18, the Lord is there to rescue all who are discouraged and have given up hope. Verse 19, the Lord's people may suffer a lot but he will always bring them safely through. Now, Isaiah, the prophet says, wait a minute, let me testify. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings of eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and they shall not faint. They that wait on the Lord. The wait to wait on the Lord means to have hope in the Lord, which is a confident, favorable expectation. Waiting on the Lord further develops that Con, uh, that confident, favorable expectation, which simply means I've got hope because I'm encouraged in the Lord, my God, who made heaven and earth, producing the reality that, as Jesus said in Mark chapter four, I'm crossing over to the other side, not because the preacher said it, but because Jesus said it. When Jesus said to his disciples in Mark chapter four, we're crossing over to the other side. Jesus already knew that the storm was in front of them. But Jesus went to sleep in the ship because he still said, my word stands above it all. So Jesus said, we're crossing over to the other side and it does not matter whatever storm you may have been in or will enter into. Man and woman of God, you and I are crossing over to the other side, not because the preacher said it, but because Jesus said it. Rudyard Kipling, famed storyteller and Nobel Prize winner once stated that words are the most powerful drug used by mankind. God gave me a book to write several years ago entitled The Father's Kiss, Validation Through Affirmation that contained words of hope and healing. The theme of the book, The Father's Kiss, is the embrace of God's grace, experience in reconciliation, restoration, validation, and affirmation. In Luke chapter 15, when the father ran down the road and fell on the prodigal's neck and kissed him. The American Standard Version says he kissed him over and over and over again. God kisses us with his grace over and over and over again, day by day. This is what the prodigal experienced. He experienced by the father's kiss, the embrace of God's grace. Through reconciliation, he was restored to a right relationship with his father. The restoration process continued when the father said to his servants, bring the fatted calf, bring the robe, bring the 
bring the ring, bring the sandals, put him back on his feet. But it continued, the embrace of God's grace continued with validation. Validation means the support of truth and value of. Affirmation in its original Latin root means to make steady or to strengthen. That's what the father did through the embrace of his grace. The boy, the prodigal son was reconciled, restored through the power and strength of validation and affirmation. And when I was writing this book, I wondered what would have happened in the life of Whitney Houston had there been somebody in her life that could validate the support of the truth and value of her life in the sight of God? What if there had been somebody present in her life that could affirm her to make steady and to strengthen her? The right words spoken at the right time releases the influence of encouragement even in the midst of discouragement. So Isaiah says in the 43rd chapter and the fourth verse, since thou was precious in my sight. I think about how precious Whitney Houston was and her daughter Bobby Christina uh, were in the sight of God. Since thou was precious in my sight, God goes on to talk to us about his as being his people. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou has been honorable. I have loved thee. Therefore, will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Some people come into your life for a season while others come into your life for a reason. Some people come into your life and they burden you while others come into your life and they bless you. First Samuel 30 and 7, David said to Abathar the priest, Amimelech's son, I pray you bring me the ephod. And Abathar brought David the ephod, the ephod, the priestly garment, the sign and symbol of a servant. In other words, as David prepared to inquire of the Lord, he put on the mantle and mind of a servant of the Lord. His mindset said, I'm not coming to you as a warrior. I'm not coming to you as the one who's been prophesied to be the next king. I'm coming to you as your servant. In the midst of his distress and trouble as a servant of the Lord, David had to get his mind right with trouble all around him from people that he knew and trusted, people that he had worshiped with, gone to battle with. Now these same people were threatening his life. David had to renew his mind. This is what the Apostle Paul talked about in the Passion Translation of Romans 7.25 that declares in the latter portion of the verse, if left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. If David had been left to his flesh, to his self, what he thought about, what the people around him were thinking about him, if left to my flesh, Paul said, and I can imagine David experienced the same thing. If left to myself, the way I think, the, the thoughts that I can think, my flesh is aligned with the law of sin. But Paul goes on to say in Romans 7.25, but now my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. So David inquired of the Lord and in, in, in spite of or despite what David was feeling, what David was thinking, what is what influences his behavior and conduct in this season of distress and unrest. He didn't want his flesh to rule or govern. So he inquires of the Lord. It was David's son Solomon by the wisdom of God that declared in Proverbs 23 and 7 that as a man or woman thinks in his heart, that's who we really are. David, by inquiring of the Lord, putting on the priestly garment, David had to align his thinking with God's thinking and not allow 
his flesh to be aligned with the law of sin or be left to his own thinking, his own ideology. David had to align his thinking with God's thinking. So in John chapter 6, verses 35 through 38 in the Message Bible, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. Verse 37, and once that person is with me, aligned with me, I hold on and I don't let go. Alignment has to do with adjusting something so that it's in the right place. If you take your car in for a wheel alignment, the mechanic will make sure the wheels are aligned and straightened out. Alignment can also mean following directions or being in agreement. Just as your car runs smoother and requires less energy to go faster and farther when the wheels are in perfect alignment, you and I live better when your thoughts, when our thoughts, feelings, emotions, and values are in balance with being aligned with Jesus. An out-of-balance life is a life that leans towards stress, struggle, and strain. So Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 6, beginning at the 35th verse in the Message Bible, the person, the man or woman who aligns with me, hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. The hunger and the thirst within us all is a balanced life or alignment for our God-given assignment, which as we see in 1 Samuel 30, as it was with David, so it is for you and I, a rescue mission to rescue the people and we shall recover all. Alignment for our assignment means that God wants to change the pattern of our thinking by realigning our thought life. If our thinking is straight, our life will be straight. So the question becomes, how can you and I realign our lives so that it reflects the authentic you? made in the image and likeness of God, giving us the mind of God. The Apostle Paul teaches us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The authentic you made in God's image and likeness was created to have dominion and not be dominated by anything or anybody that includes ourselves. The word dominion means rule or have power over. God in his sovereign will has delegated the authority to mankind to have dominion. You know the text in Genesis 1 and 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. David reinforces this truth in Psalm 8, verses 5 and 6. For thou hast made him, made mankind, a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 6. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. In Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11, God says, My word that goes forth out of my mouth, shall not return unto me void. The word void means empty. The remainder of verse 11 explains what it means to not return void, saying that God's word will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The authentic you created in the image and likeness of God was created to have dominion and not be dominated, manipulated, or intimidated. 
thinking like God thinks, our heritage is to have our minds realigned to the mind of Christ. When our mind is realigned to the mind of Christ, the mistakes, the failures, disappointments, and discouragements of the past has passed, and our mind is renewed, and true life in Christ is restored. We experience the embrace of God's grace through reconciliation, restoration, validation, and affirmation. How was this done? Paul says in the Passion Translation of 1 Corinthians 2, beginning at the 12th verse, For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God. When we got saved, old things passed away and all things became new. We received the spirit of God so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate, Paul says in Ephesians 2 and 8, for by grace have you been saved. It is the gift of God, all the grace that has been lavished upon us. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 2, and we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. This is Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 in cooperation with the Spirit of God. God's word is not going to re- is not going to go out and return unto him void, but it's going to accomplish that which he sinned. These are words imparted to us by the spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. Paul goes on to say in the Passion Translation, we join together spirit revealed truths with spirit revealed words. Jesus says in John 8 and 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Joining together, spirit revealed truth. Revelation always trumps education. Spirit revealed truth is revealed by God when we experience spirit revealed words, which is the word of God. Someone living on an entirely human level, Paul says in the Passion Translation, verse 14, someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they're only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. There's revelation, then there is illumination. Verse 15, those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things. That's powerful, my brothers and sisters. Those who live in the Spirit and by the Spirit's power are able to carefully evaluate all things. All things, not just some things, but all things, a person's motivation, uh, uh, what's come before you, the troubles that arise. You're able to evaluate all things, what people have said or done and their motivation behind what they're doing. Those who live in the spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. Then rhetorically, Paul says in verse 16, for who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counsel? In other words, nobody's going to counsel God. But look at this. Paul says Christ has and we possess Christ's perceptions. In other words, when we have the mind of Christ, when our minds are realigned to the mind of Christ, we possess 
the spirit's perceptions given to us by Christ. Perception may be defined as the ability to see, become aware of a mental image, the capability of interpreting a matter. It is the shifting of our paradigm to think like God thinks in accordance with Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. This doesn't mean that we don't ever think like God thinks, but God says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways in your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, God is calling us to come to a higher level of thinking by having the mind of Christ. It is the shifting of our paradigm when we have Christ's perceptions. A paradigm is a standard, a set of, of, of ideas or thought process that to contribute to how you view the world, a framework from which we operate every day. A paradigm further is comprised of beliefs that form a framework to approach and engage with other things or people. A paradigm is simply a perspective or way of looking at something. And when we have the mind of Christ, we submit and subject ourselves to Elroy, the God who sees and watches over you and me, and you and I taking on the mind of Christ, we take on the spirit of Elroy, the God who sees, which means we're able to see beyond sight because we're living above sea level. We're living above what we see in the natural, and we have the ability, the capability to see like God sees. Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, once stated, paradigm shifts move us from one way of seeing the world to another, and those shifts create powerful change. The more we are aware of our basic paradigms, our assumptions, beliefs, and ideas, and the extent to which we have been influenced by them, the more we can take responsibility for those paradigms, examine them, and test them against truth and reality. My God, today, when Paul, when the Bible says, examine yourself to see if you even be in the faith, because our our own ideologies or the way that we think, our paradigms, the way that we see things, the way we look at things, they must constantly be examined because we have to test them against the truth and reality of the word of God. So the Bible says for David, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him for they were all bitter and angry, each man for what had happened to his family. But David had to shift his paradigm. David had to shift the way that he was thinking about his current circumstances and situation. He had to examine what was happening against the truth and reality of the presence of God in his life. So David encouraged himself, not in what he knew, not in what uh, other people knew David encouraged, added courage, added courage to himself in the Lord, his God. Now, this is undoubtedly the most difficult time of David's life. People that David had served with, worshiped with, prayed with, fought battles with. And now these same people are speaking of stoning him. I submit to you, David, the man after God's own heart was discouraged. Otherwise, the Bible would not say to us that David encouraged himself. David, the man after God's own heart was discouraged and those that discouraged him were the people around him. 
man and woman of God, some people are just like elevators. They will either take you up or they will take you down. And you have to choose who you allow into your presence because they will either take you up or they will take you down. And you have to guard the anointing of God that is on your life. The Christian standard Bible version of 1 Samuel 30 and 8 declares, and David asked the Lord, should I pursue these raiders? Now he asked this after he has encouraged himself in the Lord and he's taken on the priestly garment. He has shifted his mindset. He's got a, he's got a different way of thinking because he's been encouraged in the Lord. It's been a paradigm shift. His mind has been shifted to the mind of Christ. Should I pursue these raiders? He asked God, will I overtake them? And the Lord replied, pursue them for you will certainly overtake them and rescue the people after being strengthened in Jehovah, his God, after being encouraged in the Lord, his God, there was a shift in David's paradigm. God told him to pursue and rescue the people in our communities, in our churches, you and I, you and I align with the Lord Jesus. We have been sent on a rescue mission to do what? To rescue the people. In Luke 19 and 9, Jesus says to Zacchaeus, who was up a tree, come down because today salvation has come to your house. And as we've stated previously, salvation also means to rescue and to escape. Walking in the grocery store, when our paradigm shifts and we have the mind of Christ, when we put on our priestly garments to inquire of the Lord, you and I can see somebody that's up a tree pumping gas at the gas station with a paradigm shift, having the mind of Christ wearing our priestly garments as servants of the Lord. We can, you can see somebody that's up a tree and our mission from God is to help them come down out of that tree where their lives are full of stress, struggle, and strain because they're up a tree of their own philosophies and ideologies, what they think, their own opinions, how smart they are through all their achievements and accomplishments. Zacchaeus had money, but that couldn't satisfy him. Zacchaeus had power and authority from Rome, but that couldn't satisfy him. Zacchaeus was up a tree living his life according to his own mindset until Jesus walked into his life and saved him, rescued him. The word rest is used nine times in Hebrews chapter four. The word rest in Hebrews chapter four can be translated as a place of refreshment, a fixed habitation. A habitation is a state or process of living in a particular place or residence, dwelling or abode. So the psalmist says in Psalm 91, he that abides in the secret place of the most high shall abide, live in, habitation there, shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. The easy reading version of Hebrews chapter four, verses six and seven declares the opportunity is still there for some to enter and enjoy God's rest. But those who first heard the good news about it did not enter because they did not obey. So God planned another special day. It's called today. This rest simply means that some of us or can this rest mean that some of us simply need to go to bed earlier so we can get the physical rest that is needed for alignment with our assignment? 
This rest is trust in the Lord. And it means today in every circumstance and situation, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of our ways and he will direct our paths. This rest is the rest that Jeremiah spoke of in the 31st chapter in the 25th verse in the message Bible. I'll refresh tired bodies. I'll restore tired souls. It is possible being anointed men and women of God to get tired or exhausted in your soul. The soul being the seat of our emotions, intellect, will, our ability to reason or think things through. And when you are tired or exhausted in your soul, you are out of alignment concerning your God-given assignment. Being tired or exhausted in your soul, in your soul will drain your spirit in a way you never knew possible place in your life an assignment from God out of alignment, out of balance. It can make you feel as if you're running a marathon without an end. Being tired or exhausted in your soul can seem as if you're treading water for hours in the middle of the ocean with no hope of rescue. Being tired or exhausted in your soul can make you feel like you need to cry, but you have no more tears left to cry. You may have gone through or are presently going through times of extreme emotional or mental stress and dis distress that can lead to discouragement and discouragement can lead to depression and depression can, can lead to a tragic end. On January 30th, 2022, CNN posted an article about former Miss USA Chesley Chris, 2019, who at 30 years old jumped to her death from her luxury 60-story apartment in Manhattan, New York. In 2021, Miss Chris wrote an essay for Allure magazine about the pressures of getting older. She was 30 years old, but she wrote about the pressures of getting older, the need to achieve, and her battle with online trolls who bullied her over her looks. She wasn't pretty enough for many people, and some even said that her body looked like a man's body. Miss Chris also wrote about overcoming the crushing expectations she once placed on herself. She stated that I discovered that the world's most important question, especially when asked repeatedly and answered frankly, is why? Why work so hard to capture the dreams I've been taught by society to want when I continue to find only emptiness? Her life was out of alignment with God's assignment for her life that begins with knowing whose you are and who you are. This young lady Chesley Chris was like you and me, designer originals created in the image and likeness of God with callings, giftings, talents, and abilities birthed in the world with an assignment that requires constant alignment with the will and ways of God. There was nobody in the world like Chesley Chris, just like there's nobody like you anywhere in the world. Your voice pattern, your fingerprints, you are a designer original and a gift to the world. And as a gift given by God, you are the solution to somebody's problem and the answer to somebody's prayer. This young lady, Chesley Chris, was tired, exhausted in her soul. And it is God that makes a promise. In Jeremiah 31 and 25 in the Message Bible, I will refresh tired bodies. I'll restore tired souls. 
Chesley Chris and those like her in our world today. She was a young lady that needed to be rescued. Chesley Chris and others like her in our society and communities today was a young woman that needed her life to be aligned with Jesus' promise in John chapter 6 is the bread of life for her life. Jesus promised that the person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. Verse 37, and once that person is with me, Jesus says, I hold on and won't let go. So David asked the Lord in 1 Samuel 30 and 8, should I pursue these raiders? A raider is anything that seeks to rob, kill, and destroy the purpose that God has intended for your life. So David says, should I pursue these raiders? Will I overtake them? The Lord replied to him, pursue them, for you will certainly overtake them, the raiders, and rescue the people. God sent David on a rescue mission, and God told him in the King James Version of 1 Samuel 30 and 8, that without fail, he would recover all. Helen Keller, a blind philanthropist and advisor to four U.S. presidents, once stated, the greatest tragedy in the world is to have eyes and not be able to see. There are people all around us that have eyes, but cannot see the necessity of being rescued because of their accomplishments, because of the money in the bank, because of their power, because of their positions, because of their prestige. They have eyes, but cannot see the necessity of being rescued, having their lives aligned with Jesus as the bread of life that ensures that after your money's gone, after your power has failed, after your position is gone, Jesus as the bread of life ensures that you will never hunger or thirst again. I know on the day that Chesley Chris jumped out of her 60th floor Manhattan apartment to her death, it broke the heart of God because God had provided Jesus to rescue her. The world in which we live are full is full of raiders, thing that, things that seek to rob, kill, and destroy. That's the devil's only purpose. In John 10 and 10, Jesus said, the devil, the thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. His strategies have not changed. And so David, with the ephod, putting on the priestly garment, there was a shift in his mindset from the discouragement, and David put courage in. David encouraged himself, not in his experiences as the slayer of a, of a lion and a bear, not in his experiences of, of being prophesied to be the next king. No, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Encourage simply means to put or add courage in. This word encourage in the original Hebrew can be translated as prevail, to be strengthened, and to conquer. There are those in your family, my family, possibly on your job or even in your church that have never completely learned how to encourage themselves in the Lord and are held captives of their own minds. As it was with David, so it is with you and I. We have been commissioned by God to pursue those that have been taken captive by the enemy. 
And as God said to David, so does he say to you and I, we shall recover all.